ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the universal Christian church, the communion of the saints. I would like to invite you to begin with me today, wherever you're making your connection, across the nation, around the world, through Church Online, one of our campuses here in South Florida. I'd like for us just to begin with a prayer uh, that simply says this, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Would you join me in that? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And the reason I'm raising that is because to understand the way that the teaching today is going to impact our lives, your life, is really a matter of the gift of illumination that the Holy Spirit brings. And so would God open our ears and our eyes and our hearts. Today's topic is one of my favorite Bible subjects because like most other significant Bible subjects, it's not just a subject. And it is not an it. He is a person. And he is my friend. He's your friend. He is the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, your Savior, our Lord, and um, he's our friend. He wants to be your friend today. He's not a ghost. He's not a spook. He's not a force, an impersonal force, you know, either of nature or of supernature. Um, the next line in the Apostles' Creed, we'll unpack that as we go, simply says this, I believe in the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the Spirit of Jesus Christ alive within us. Now sometimes when people think of the Holy Spirit, they think of something like weird or something ecstatic or something that has to be spectacular, you know, like having some ecstatic utterance from your mouth or some sign and wonder or handling snakes and, you know, doing weird stuff. Sometimes people think about that when they think about the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people are searching for a spiritual feeling. And I kind of get that. In a culture that is steeped in materialism and in modernism, it's like we've been spiritually starved. And we're just hungry, we're thirsty for something transcendent, a sense, a feeling of the Spirit, which places us at risk um, of many things, but one thing in particular is confusing a feeling with the filling of the Holy Spirit. They're not the same things. Now, the Holy Spirit does much of his work in our emotional soul, and emotional healing is part of what he does. But the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. I talked to a guy, I guess it was a couple of Sundays ago. It was his first time here. By the way, if you're a first-time guest with us, thank you so much for coming. You honor us with your presence. I appreciate you being here. Thanks for accepting the invitation. And whoever invited you, thank you for spreading the invitation. Um, but he, a guy was here, and he was saying, you know, while you were worshiping, I was watching people. And it was like some of them were like really at it. And I'm not sure that's me, you know. I don't, I don't think they were feeling the Spirit, but I don't know if that's what I feel. said, it's not about feelings. That we invite people to respond freely, but don't confuse the filling of the Spirit with an emotional feeling. They sometimes accompany one another, but 
It's not a feeling. Uh, sometimes people think of the Holy Spirit as a force of power, you know, like, may the force be with you, right? And that this is this, this impersonal force. But no, the Spirit is powerful, powerful as God, but personal. Powerful in a personal way, a person of the Spirit. And not a force to kind of force you to do stuff you don't want to do. That's, that's not the Holy Spirit. Actually, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman who prompts us and invites us to respond by faith and then rewards us as we do. Actually, the Holy Spirit is a helper. That's the simplest word, I suppose, who helps us in many ways. One thing he does is help us make it through life. Life is hard. The Holy Spirit helps us move through the hard places. And the Holy Spirit helps you become a person who is easier to live with. Do you know that? Yes. Now you're thinking of somebody who, oh man, if they'd only come, then this message might help them, you know? Become easier for me to live with them. Um, no, where do I get that? Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. Paul's writing to believers in Colossae. He says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. He's talking about all the power of the might of the Holy Spirit being poured into you. Why? So that you'll hang in there, he says, for endurance and be patient. Did you know it takes all the Spirit of God to help you be patient? Yeah, some of you are willing to admit that. But that's what he's saying. And then joyfully giving thanks to God the Father. Bringing an attitude of joy and positivity in a relational re expression with God who is your good Father. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Gives us power to endure, joy to give thanks, and then the ability to be patient. Now that's not weird, is it? unless um, you live in a world where impatience and rage and short tempers and godless violent violence are the norm, then that kind of person can seem a little strange, but not weird, right? You know what I mean. So when Jesus ascended to heaven, he told his disciples this, you will receive power when the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You will bear witness of me. In other words, the Holy Spirit brings us God's power through Jesus Christ to help us share Jesus with others. In John 14, Jesus promised the Spirit would come to his disciples. Verse 16, I will ask the Father, he will send another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. See, it's a personal knowing here. This isn't a, some spirit thing you read in a book or about a force. No, this is a personal knowing. That's why we say that you, are, you have a personal relationship with God because the spirit of God is the spirit of Jesus who is personal. I will not, he lives with you. He's alive, he's dynamic, he lives with you, and he shall be in you, this is the new twist for the disciples. I will not leave you as orphans. They would be grieving because their spiritual father has died. But I will come to you, verse 26, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. You ever forget stuff that matters? I need reminding. 
Where's my phone? Where are my keys? Where are my sunglasses? Where are my, you know, the Holy Spirit. We forget spiritually. And the Holy Spirit is God's personal reminder to guide us into the things that matter that we tend to forget. And what is one of those? All of those was to give them peace of mind. Verse 27, my peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace, his personal peace I give you. I don't give you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Now, what's to be afraid of? Well, there's a lot to be afraid of in our world. It's a scary world. Why do we not be afraid? Because things aren't scary? No, it's scary out there. It's scary in here. Scary things happen. Sometimes we're blindsided by a disease we didn't anticipate was going to be coming into our radar. Sometimes we're T-boned by a divorce that we didn't know was in the works. Sometimes it's an economic downturn. Sometimes it's a job layoff. Sometimes it's a wayward child. Sometimes it's something that happens that you didn't see was coming, but it's scary out there. And Jesus said, in this kind of a scary world, you're going to need a new friend. And that's why I'm giving you my counselor, my comforter, my spirit to be your advocate. Actually, the word counselor and comforter is a Greek word used to refer to a legal advocate. We have any lawyers in the room? See, perk up a little bit because that's what Jesus is saying. The Holy Spirit is your legal advocate who helps you, who makes the right judgment call because he's close enough to the situation from the inside out. And so those promptings come with full knowledge. So Jesus said his spirit would be our advocate, our advisor, our helper. I love what Ben Myers, he's a theologian who has written likewise on the Apostles' Creed, and when he got to this section, he said the story of the Bible begins with the brooding of the Spirit over the abyss, ready to bring forth creation out of nothing, Genesis 1-2. And then at the turning point of the ages, we see the Spirit once again brooding over the womb of a virgin, Luke chapter 1, verse 35. The Spirit uh, rests on Mary's body and as a, the body of a virgin in order to bring forth the new Adam, the beginning of a new creation. But then he goes on, he says, the language of the creed reminds us that the work of this creative spirit is not yet finished. The spirit is now brooding over the entire human race, available, accessible, seeking to bring forth a new human community in the image of Christ. So wrap your imagination around those God thoughts that are higher than ours and understand that there's nobody that he doesn't want to help understand the work and friendship of the Holy Spirit. Now, the apostle Peter was at Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, the day that Jesus had foretold the visit would come. He saw it. He felt it. He heard it. He gave voice to it. It was happening seven weeks after Passover. The feast of Passover, the feast of unleavened bread, By the way, Jesus was crucified at Passover. You remember that. He was the spotless, sinless Lamb of God who knew no sin but became sin for us that we might be atoned for. And so leaven was a symbol of sin. So what we 
When we have communion, we remember the Passover lamb, and we still use bread without leaven in it. Leaven is a symbol of sin, and it was not to be used for Passover. And then, so Jesus died, he was buried, he rose, and then for the next 40 days, he shows up in a variety of places to different disciples, and he eats with them, he drinks with them, he hangs out with them, he talks to them, he blesses them, he breathes on them, you know, they touch him, he touches them, and then he tells them that they need to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit as he's ascending, and they watch him ascend before their eyes. And then they're supposed to wait and pray in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit comes. Well, 10 days later, at an an upper room in Jerusalem. They have one that you can visit now in Jerusalem. And um, when seven weeks were fully completed, seven weeks, seven sevens from Passover, there's a biblical message about perfection in there that something complete was coming to pass on day 50. That's a number that represents perfect completeness. After Passover comes Pentecost. Pentecost, at the Feast of Pentecost, guess what? The bread at Pentecost is leavened bread. Leavened bread. What does that mean? Symbolically, it means that when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of the risen, exalted Christ was now coming to dwell within people who are sinful, who have been conflicted or maybe compromised by the leaven, the sin. And so, um, and yet, forgiven. So, this is like, oh my goodness, the leaven is in the loaf. You ever seen a leavened loaf of bread? You're looking at one. That's what he's talking about. Spiritually, I'm a leavened loaf. I got leaven in my loaf, but with all of my challenges, problems, issues, and sins, sins that I commit, sins that other people commit on me, guess what? The spirit of the living God has come alive in me. That's what this is talking about here. Sinful yet forgiven. And so now God's choice is to use imperfect people who are being perfected, sanctified, and transformed. God is applying the power of his resurrection in Christ, a personal power to create a new humanity on earth. That's what's happening theologically. And the body of Christ, you've probably heard that phrase before, the body of Christ. This was the birthday of the body of Christ. If you're part of the church, when did the church have its birthday? First birthday was Pentecost Sunday, right there uh, at the fulfillment of Jesus' promise. And now, not only is Jesus Christ exalted to the highest seat, ascended to the right hand of authority at the right hand of God, and not only is a human being, transformed human being, fully transformed at the helm of the cosmos, at God's right hand in our risen, ascended Christ. And not only is heaven a lot closer to earth than it used to be in our experience, now Christ through his church, has brought us into that equation. Now, this image is, um, you know, it's the closest thing I could come to that experience. But what I wanted to show is that 
The head is in the clouds. That's what Paul says. Our head, Christ, is at the right hand of God. But his body connected to him is now on earth. And that's what's happening in the church that the apostles wanted us to understand. God is now making himself known in a new way. God is showing up in a new expression on earth. If you ever look and say, man, what a mess the world is in. I wonder where God is. You know what Jesus would say? <laughs> My church. I am in the middle of your mess as my church in the leavened loaf. The spirit of, my God, of, of God is abiding in his people on earth and now making himself known to the world through his body, just like you get known to other people. When you present your soul, it's through your body, right? When you get acquainted with somebody and they get to know your personality, it's through your body. So when I think about you, I think about the face that I'm experiencing you through. So likewise, the body of Christ is the vehicle, the vessel through which God is making himself known in the world. People like me, yeah, people like you. People like me, people with problems, people with issues, people with challenges, people who are being forgiven, why? So that they know how to be forgiving in our world. People who have been gifted by the Spirit, gifted by grace. Why? So that now they can be giving. That's Jesus' body on earth. People who have been served. Why? So they can now be serving. That's what Jesus' idea is. Our head is in heaven. His body is doing it on earth. People that are filled with his Spirit. Why? So that our lives can be channels of his blessing into our world even with our problems, even with our issues, which, by the way, tend to make us more believable and accessible to those who know what brokenness feels like. Our lives become spillways of God's blessing into the broken places, and that's his desire. So God is trying to put the broken pieces of the world back together, restoring what the curse of sin had cut off and left us disconnected from God and from one another. Now God is going to restore by his spirit, reconnecting us with himself and with each other, and the place is his church. Now we're going to get there in a next message, but he does it through his spirit. His spirit brings a new unity a new humanity is being born, and a new community is the result of it. And uh, at Pentecost, you know those, fire, those tongues of fire entered the room? It said that they, uh, that they were all together in one place, and they'd been praying for 10 days, and now there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind, and then the next thing you know, in the midst of that sound appeared flames of fire, tongues of fire that landed on each person praying, male and female, and now it loosened their tongues up so that now they're speaking the love of God so that others can experience it. It was Pentecost, which meant that people from all over the Roman Empire, all across the known world, were in Jerusalem for that experience. Acts chapter 2 says there were some 15 different identifiable language groups that were there from different people groups across the nation. You know, one of the things I love about our church is we got 29 language groups, 29 languages spoken in our church family, 50 different nations represented. We're like a slice of Pentecost. I'm thinking about them and praying that God would grant us the grace he did them. Next thing you know, they're speaking, and the listeners are saying, aren't these Galileans? I mean, they haven't been to any language school anywhere. How is it that we're hearing them declare the wonders of God in our own tongues? Verse 4 tells us, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit 
and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. They heard in their own language. And I tell you, I, love, I would love it if God, when I get filled with the Spirit, He would just help me speak Spanish. Wouldn't that be great? Or Portuguese, maybe, Lord. Or, you know, whichever language of choice that you'd like to grant me, that would be awesome. But it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> but these were languages. That's the point. And what's the theological point? Well, in Genesis chapter 11, there's a story told of a place called Babel. And it was a, a place where a proud people in a fallen world were trying to organize their society in order to mock God. And God sees what's going on, but they, they're doing it not aware of the damage that is about to be done to them or that it could do to future generations because of them. And so what God does is he goes down and he confuses the language. Now from one language, he divides it into many to make it harder for them to organize a unified rebellion against him. It's called Babel, Genesis chapter 11. And then it says from there, the language is scattered, splintered across all of the earth. Well, guess what? Until Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, what we see is with the coming of Jesus and now the pouring of his spirit, Babel's story is being reversed. It, the undoing of the fall is now being undone. And now from God's point of view, here's something to rally around. Here's something to find new unity, new humanity, new community in, the creation of new community. Acts chapter two, birthday of the church. The church is the place where God is seeking to pull the pieces together and give us oneness of spirit and heart, oneness of spirit in a leavened loaf. And now the people of the leavened loaf will be sharing the bread of life with the world. You know, we're the ones who bring the leavened loaf to the party. You want a slice? So what's the belief? The belief is simply this. God, the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit of Jesus Christ, bringing the victory of his death, his resurrection, and his ascension into our lives personally and corporately that will dislodge our disconnection. Why do we believe it? Well, Jesus promised it, and we trust him. The apostles experienced it, and we trust them, you know, that the promises were fulfilled, and they said, well, we were there, and here's what happened, and then they wrote it down. So the record of historical event has been verified, and we find them reliable. That's another talk for another day that I've done previously about why we can trust the authority of Scripture. But then there's another evidence that we have, and perhaps you have it already. For every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, he promises the confirmation of his spirit within you to grant you the assurance of your salvation. So when you come to know Jesus, his Holy Spirit comes alive in you and 
He applies the forgiveness of Jesus Christ that lifts the load off of your chest. He applies the cleansing of his blood so that now you've got a fresh slate, you know, to start your tomorrow with. He's the one who applies the filling of the Spirit and the empowering that helps keep us enduring. And when, when it feels like, boy, I just, I'm not sure this is ever going to work out and I can't figure it out, but he applies the peace of God. He gives us promptings and gives us guidance into truth. He guides our thinking. He guides our feeling. He guides our doing. He is, he prompts us. He calms us down in the storm. He gives us peace. I was speaking with Amanda Gray a week and a half ago. She is a 19-year-old young woman who's a part of our church family. Her family's been very committed for years here and very committed to serve in missions. Right now, she is giving her life in service to uh, the people of Quito, Ecuador, where she is serving. Well, guess what? Two weeks ago, Ecuador was in the midst of turmoil and turbulence, right? To the point that our missionaries there took her and others out of the city into an area where there was less disruption because of the protest. And then as they thought things would calm down, then they came back, left at 3 a.m. to drive back to the city, and they were trying to stay off all the main roads because they had been commandeered by armed people who were wanting to demand money in order to use them. So they thought they were staying off the main roads, except they ran into some of those and uh, were forced to do that. And Vicky was telling me about it, and, and I said, well, you know, I, I called Amanda, talked to her personally about it, and asked her, tell me about it. You know what she said? She said, you know, I suddenly realized that I was perhaps in the most dangerous situation in my whole life. But at the same time, she said, I realized that I had this tremendous peace. And the verse came to mind, the peace that passes human understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know who was giving her that peace was the Holy Spirit in the middle of the storm that she was experiencing the peace. Now I'm on to the third question, this supernatural calm in, the, calm in the middle of the chaos. But the third question we ask is not only what do we believe, why do we believe it, well, what difference does it make? What does it mean to me? This is the so what question. And the difference is what I just talked about, the peace of the Holy Spirit is part of it. First, the Holy Spirit connects us in community. I just want to itemize a few of these. Apostle Paul says, Ephesians 1.13, having believed that you were marked in Christ. That's how it begins, by the way. You just believe in Christ. And then he gives you his Holy Spirit. You were marked in Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who's the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. It's like the Holy Spirit is God's down payment that I will make good on every promise I've ever made. But what does that mean? Well, maybe the simplest way to understand what it means is this. To see this is the Holy Spirit is your engagement ring from Jesus Christ. That's what it means. That um, Jesus loves you, he's committed to you, and he's making wedding plans to spend forever with you. That's what the Bible says. Now, guys, if that leaves you a little cold, let me offer this one to you. Um, you could think of it like a championship team ring. It means that you are on God's winning team forever. 
See, once your team wins and your coach puts that ring on you, you're a winner forever because you're on the team. That's what this is talking about. You are connected to God and his people in Christ, and he is part of God's solution to your isolation, to your loneliness, the Holy Spirit, your new friend. I was reading a survey, a bit disconcerting. One of the profound ironies of our connected generation is that only one-third of young adults feel cared for by others. One-third. A recent survey done by Barna and World Vision of 15,000 18 to 35-year-olds from 25 different nations showed that in their opinion, from people living that, they said that, they, that the vast majority of young adults feel the impact of broad global trends. I guess that's because we're so device-oriented more than they feel loved or supported by those closest to them. What's the solution? I'll tell you, Jesus said, I have a solution. My solution to a disconnected world is being connected in Christ to God and to one another in a place called church. Second, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is your counselor, your comforter, your guide into all truth. John 16 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide us into all truth. So the Holy Spirit guides our thinking. He prompts our thinking. He brings things to mind. He's the one who says, oh, that's Philippians chapter 4, Amanda, the peace that passes human understanding. He illumines the scripture. He protects us. He guides our thinking. He guards our deciding. He guides our doing. When we get in the danger zone, he says, eh, 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 you know. It, when we get close to God, he warms us up and says, feel this one. He, the Holy Spirit is the one who sensitizes us to avoid deception. The Holy Spirit is the one who illuminates scripture to help us understand it and apply it to our lives. And when we apply God's truth to our lives, what did Jesus say? The truth will make you free. There it is. So the Holy Spirit sets us free. This is the work of our friend, the Holy Spirit, to help you find freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.18, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Somebody's thinking, well, we don't need freedom. This is America. We're the land of the free. Okay, let me tell you what Dr. Brene Brown, social researcher, has discovered. You can check this out online. Here's what she says. We are the most in-debt, obese, addicted, medicated adult cohort in United States history. You need freedom? No, but you know somebody who does, don't you? You need freedom from some habit? from some eating disorder, from some drinking or drug problem, you need freedom from addiction, the Spirit is part of Jesus' solution for that freedom. And the Holy Spirit heals our hurts. This is the fourth area. Sometimes our addictions are symptoms of deeper hurts that have been haunting us for a long time. And they just keep rising up, and we don't know what to do about it, right? They're just lurking there in our souls, and then they, like, overshadow us. Psychologists tell us that the majority of the mind's influence of our lives may well be, the majority may well be in the subconscious mind. Below the surface, the tip of the iceberg, conscious thinking, 10 to 20% affected by the conscious mind. But what are we supposed to do about the 80 to 90% that's below the surface? Well, the Holy Spirit, 
goes all the way down and all the way back into all of our life's experiences. He goes all the way deep in you. Why? Because he wants to help. That's what Paul says. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We're not on our own. And then when he sees our weakness and we bring it to him and he's bringing help, he intercedes for us in accordance with God. That means he brings all of the power personally of God and Jesus Christ right there to your weakness so that he can help you. That's what he wants to do. Help you what? Get in alignment for the fullness of God's will in your one life. Romans 8, 6, the mind of sinful man is death. Telling you, man, I got death in the 90% of my subconscious and in the 10% of my conscious. But look what he says, the spirit, the mind of this is governed by the spirit is life and peace. The Holy Spirit can permeate all of my thinking and all of my doing and all of my feeling and he can start having his way and bringing freedom into me. See, the work of the Holy Spirit isn't to make you do strange things. It's not to force you into places that you don't want to go. He's trying to help you face life. He's trying to help you do life. He's trying to make you a person who is easier to live with. Because he's your friend. So he connects us in community, he guides our thinking, he sets us free, he heals our hurts, and he transforms us to be like Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the true vine, you're the branches. Guess what the sap is? The Holy Spirit. Connecting the power of Christ's life into our lives and then flowing through us to bear new fruit within us. This is why Paul wrote about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, gentle, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You think of that like one orange that has several slices, and Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, is wanting you to taste and see that the Lord is good as we abide in him, and then he allows his life to flow through ours into the experiences of our lives. Is your ride been rumpy? I mean, is your, is your, has your ride been bumpy? Yeah, you're looking at a leavened loaf, I'm telling you. Hopefully there's a little bit of spirit in there to help interpret the uh, language, the strange language that's coming out of my mouth. When your car isn't running well, you gotta get under the hood. And Jesus said, I wanna make your journey better. So I'm coming under the hood. And we allow him to have his way, then guess what he does? He brings his fruit to counter our needs. When selfishness presents, he says, I can outlove that. When despair wants to swallow you, he said, I got joy that can be your strength. When fear makes you want to draw, he can calm you right in the middle of that storm with the armed guard standing right there. When anger gives you a short fuse, he can say, no, you, I, can, I can show you how to be patient. I'll bring all the power of God and show you how to be patient. I can do that. When hostility rises up, you work in a hostile work environment, he said, let me show you how to judo that one with some good kindness. How about this crookedness? Somebody trying to pull something on you? I'm telling you, goodness can slice through the deception and help you find, when you feel like giving up, faithfulness can show you how to keep standing up 
I'm still standing. How about you? That's his power right there. Arrogance. When somebody else is trying to overpower, then there is a way to respond in a Jesus way that can change the situation. And finally, you know, when we hit those tripwires and pursue behaviors that are actually self-destructive, oh my goodness, look what God says. No, no, no. I love you. I'm here for you. And I'm going to show you how to control that. You can rise above this. Now, this is a growing thing. It doesn't happen like that, does it? This is called sanctification. But the Holy Spirit helps us become holy and healthy when we get to know him as our friend. Anything up there to help you today? Then would you receive it as we pray? Lord Jesus, I thank you for giving us your very own personal spirit. It's hard to believe that the spirit that was alive in you as you is now being welcomed into people like us. But we welcome you. Would you welcome him right now? Into your situation, into your issue, into your conflict, into your emotion, into your fill in the blank. Lord, I welcome you. Sister, brother in Christ, how long has it been since you sensed the Spirit filling you, cleansing you, and then overflowing through you? But what can you do to promote that? Well, here's a prayer that might take it to another level for you. Say yes to God's will before you even know what it is. Say, Lord, whatever it is you want to ask of me, the answer is yes. Before I even know what it is. You love me, and I love you because you first loved me. And the way I'm going to say I love you back to you is by saying, I want what you have for me. So I'm saying yes before I know what it is. Is that your prayer today? And then see if the Holy Spirit doesn't meet you in a fresh surrender with a fresh filling. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are thirsty, and drink and rivers of life will flow. Praying that for you today. And maybe for someone, you're on the front end of your spiritual journey, you'd like to know, how do I get started? Well, Jesus said, I am standing at the door and knocking. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, then I will come in. Have you heard him today? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Have you heard him? Then now's the time to open the door. Lord, I open the door of my life. I want to know you better. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your spirit as I turn from my way to learn to go your way. And I make this prayer in your name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, would you simply slip your hand up? If you're joining us online, you can click right there on screen and we're praying with you as well. Thank you. Here toward the back in the middle, God bless you. Over to my left toward the back, several hands I'm seeing. God bless each of you. Over to my far left by the door, amen. To the very back, amen. And then right here on my right by the aisle, God bless you. You know, when I call out hands like that, 
brothers and sisters, it's so that you can join us in prayer for every person who's right here, right now saying, help me, Lord. We pray for each other when hands go up. And so, Lord, we pray for every person who has said, I'm thirsty, I'm trusting, and we pray now that they would feel and know the presence of your living water bringing refreshment and life to their soul. In your name we pray.